When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For, for, for all things, for, for all things KC, KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City on this Friday. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwert. By the way, make sure you like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Guys, the countdown's on. We're a little over a week out from the Super Bowl. How are we feeling? Does it does it count as a Red Friday if they're not actually playing, but there is a game next week and it's the Super Bowl? I feel like we get to claim both Red Fridays. Does that seem fair to everybody? We've had this debate in the past. I still say it's Red Friday. We're in season. Okay. Okay. Even though there's no I game. Am wearing Nick, a red Nick, shirt. where do you stand? It's a baseball shirt, but I'm wearing a red shirt, so that should count. Cody is representing Red Friday on the show. No, With not, Satchel Page. Not <laughs> a Red Friday. There has to be a game. Coming up mm. that Sunday for it to be Red Friday. I don't know if that's wow. a definition, but that's what I'm going with. Interesting. Does the fact that we have players that made it to the Pro Bowl count? <laughs> yeah, there you no, go. No, because the Pro Bowl is dead, Kayla. I don't know if you heard this, but the second that Derek Carr and Tyler Huntley got Pro Bowl invites, if, it, if, if they officially it died. it's over. We never have to reference this game again. That's fair. And you know what? We're to the point now. It used to be cool in like the early 2010s when the Chiefs would get a bunch of guys to the Pro Bowl. It used to be really cool. We'd be like, look at all those Pro Bowl nominations. The second you make it to one Super Bowl and then go back the next year and then go back two years later, it makes the Pro Bowl seem so utterly pointless. In fact, if <laughs> if my if my team's players are ever playing in the Super Bowl, I'm so disappointed that I can't possibly watch them participate. Was that not the most depressing thing last year, watching Mahomes and Kelsey at the Pro Bowl and just being like, they should be at the Super Bowl. This yeah. sucks. Yeah. I yeah. want them, I want both of them to come out and announce that they will never participate in the Pro Bowl ever again. Because it's too heartbreaking to watch. I respect it. It's just too miserable. I don't want to do it. It's like puppies in a waiting to be adopted. You're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't take you home today. I Good luck, I guess. <laughs> I don't want to see it. I just won't. Interesting analogy there. <laughs> that would have been, been a good vibe check. Yeah, that would have been. Maybe next week. We'll go back. That's how I'll hope that the, uh, you know, that's how I'll hope the Eagles feel afterwards. <laughs> okay, guys. Let's talk the Super Bowl. Is this game bigger for Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes? Go. You know, it's like a big legacy question because they're both going for the same thing. They're both going for their second Super Bowl, which puts them as like one of, you know, 15 guys to ever do it. If they get to three Super Bowls, they'd really be one of only like five guys to ever do it. So from like a just championship perspective, they're chasing the same part of history as far as the people who have accomplished the same amount of Super Bowl wins. But the answer is Patrick Mahomes because he has way more juice in the Oh my God, what might he become category? Andy Reid's done. He's established. He's made his history. Andy Reid is not like he's not done as in he's not done accomplishing, but 
everyone's decided. Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches of all time. He has a Super Bowl, so it ended that conversation. If he gets to two, cool. Now a few more people will put him slightly above, but he's still one of the greatest coaches of all time. You know, Patrick Mahomes still has a chance to the title of, this is still the single greatest start in NFL history, and this guy has two rings before he's 28 years old, and oh my God, how many is he going to get to? And when you are his level of talent, Andy Reid's a great coach. He's one of the all-time great coaches. Patrick Mahomes might be the single most talented player in NFL history. Those are just different bars. And you got to get rings if you don't want to just be the most talented player in NFL history and not have that the accomplishment part of it be included. I don't know. It, like, it, is Andy done? Are you sure he cannot continue to elevate how he is viewed in the pantheon of all-time great coaches? Like, I think we currently look at him as the second best or second most accomplished coach currently behind Bill Belichick, but yeah. you get that second ring. You're still, I think there's, there's over 10 coaches that have multiple Super Bowl rings. And we say it all the time. The all time wins are great. And I think Andy is fifth right now. He's like three away from fourth place. So he'll get into the top four. He'll finish his career as a top four or three coach all time in terms of wins, but you make your legacy in the postseason. And if he wants to truly go down as one of the greats with Bill Belichick, with Walsh, with Landry, with Chuck Knoll, you've got to have multiple rings, two, three rings to really be revered, not just in the modern era, but compared to the greatest to ever do it, which I don't think Andy Reid is currently in that conversation. You know, the thing is, though, Nick, is that to me, this is one of those... Why you have to have context to this. So all the guys you just mentioned, and Gibbs always seemingly gets forgotten in this, even though like Gibbs did it. Three of them. Like, yeah, he got three of them and he got them with like different coaches or, or different quarterbacks and different teams. And like his whole thing was bizarre. But of all the other guys, except for Gibbs, who is the one exception who probably deserves part of this conversation. Bill Walsh had one of the single greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, Bill Belichick had the most accomplished quarterback of all time. Don Shula was part of the greatest dynasty of all time, undefeated teams. He just had all those guys winning over and over and over and over and over again, right? Those are the guys with multiple Super Bowl titles. For the And I get it. Uh, Andy has that now. But he spent the first, like, 20, you know, he spent the 15 years with, like, Kevin Cobb, Donovan McNabb. Those are all-time great quarterbacks. Those are dudes. He had dudes for 15 years. Like, Maybe it's like I, I just like value him differently, but he's had five, you know, like he's been in Kansas City for 10 years now. But for the first five years of those, he had another dude. All right. So now we're up to 20 years of Andy Reid's career that he's out here trying to win Super Bowls with Alex Smith, Donovan McNabb, and a bunch of other just randos off the street. I know Michael Vick was included in that, like after he got to jail and all that stuff. But it's like he's had five years of one of the great quarterbacks like those other guys had. And he's already won a Super Bowl. He's been to three got a chance for two it's like dude i like if he won maybe you're right nick because like if he won two it's like i don't give a i don't care if someone's got four he had terry bradshaw when there was no free agency and he had the single greatest you know some of the best rosters ever it's like totally different you know what i don't know if context does matter though in these sorts of conversations like yeah it matters in terms of formulating a good argument but it doesn't matter in how we ultimately talk how we talk about him we talk about him by keeping score Show, hold up your hand. Let me see how many rings are on those fingers. Only one? Yeah. Only two? Yeah. Okay, well, you're not quite at this table with the guys that got three or four. You're right. Context is is inclu is not included in those conversations, but at some point, 
we do we do use rings as just a, a scorekeeping metric. Yeah. It's it's kind of hard to dismiss that and say no, but let's really dive into it. That's not how we talk about sports. I just feel like you know with Andy, it will be big. I'm not saying it won't help his legacy and all those things, but like Mahomes, man, it puts him in a stratosphere. It confirms everything our eyes have been telling us. This is the greatest start in NFL history. It's like he's got two. He's 27. Tom Brady got three Super Bowl rings in his in his 20s. So Mahomes would still have three more years to get another ring, right? He'd have all the time in the world. He had three more seasons to try to get that third ring to match Tom Brady's run of three Super Bowl in his 20s. And by the way, it's not like we won't assume he's going to the Super Bowl. He's been to it three times in five years. And the two years he missed, he took the teams to overtime. It takes five quarters to knock Patrick Mahomes out of not going to the Super Bowl. The only two times he hasn't done it. You have to take him to the bitter end of a season in order to knock him out. And so it's like, to me, it just launches him into the, like everything we knew. This is everything we knew. He is, he is, he is the chosen one. If there's anyone who, you know, like, here we go. If there's even a guy who has a chance at Brady, here he is. I was about to say, who are you looking at? Do you have a statue of Patrick Mahomes? It's like, (laughs) no, you know, what's funny is like, um, maybe like 25 feet away. Like I could, I could leave this podcast for 30 seconds and I don't have a statue of anybody, but I do have a six foot three cardboard cutout of Creed Humphrey. That's the best I can offer you from a statue. Stop perspective. it. You pray to him every night. You yeah. really do love him. Do you want me? I'll go get it if you need me to prove that I own it. But I own it. Oh, I, we believe you. We believe <laughs> it was given to me in fairness. Kayla, what's your answer? Who do you think this game's more important for? I'm leaning with Cody here. I think it's bigger for Mahomes in terms of legacy. I mean, obviously, it's big for both, but. We now know seven is the number to beat. Tom Brady will not be winning any more Super Bowls. And if anyone can catch him or get close, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. And I just think that for him having a real shot at this, that could be huge if he passes Tom in terms of Super Bowl rings. At the same time, it's obviously big for Andy. Question for you guys. Where do we? Where would we put Andy Reid as best NFL coaches of all time? Is he in the top 10 right now? Yeah, top 10, but not top five. If you're five. comparing him to all coaches throughout the NFL history. He's right now. He's fifth in wins. Three more. He'll tie Tom Landry, who obviously was the coach forever for the Cowboys. So right there, regular season coaches, consistency, longevity, those things matter. If he gets another win in this Super Bowl, I think you're firmly putting him on that short list. He's probably still behind Belichick. And I would still say Bill Walsh. You know what's funny? The the part we haven't brought up about this, Nick, that does also factor in to like how we judge coaches is did they change football? Like, did they change like Bill Walsh changed football? Yeah. It's not that he just won three Super Bowls, it's that he invented the West Coast offense and and everyone uses it. And, right? and, Reed and we we invented Snow Globe. Yeah, well, you know what? Here's the thing is that I don't think we talk about it the same way, but I actually think you can make an argument that Andy Reid is changing it, but we're not willing to admit it yet because it hasn't been enough time. Andy Reid made air raid quarterbacks in the NFL work. I want to be very clear. There was not a single air raid quarterback who had ever come to the NFL who had any success before Patrick Mahomes showed up and it worked. There wasn't a one. There's been plenty now. Don't have any problem rolling into the NFL and letting air raid quarterbacks do their business. Nobody's afraid to take the quarterback out of Baylor because all he did was go seven wide. Doesn't matter. All that stuff works now. It's probably just too close for people to see it yet. Nick, you you follow college football. Those guys didn't work. They didn't translate to the NFL. 
Well, it's simple. Yeah. One thing I love about Andy Reid, and I don't know if this necessarily speaks to his greatness, but it does speak to why he's won so much and for so long, is he himself has admitted that the NFL is three to four years behind the, the schemes that are being invented in college, and they're three, 40 years, three to four years behind the schemes that are being invented in high school football. Not often you will find an NFL head coach who is willing to admit that, like, yeah, we're not on the cutting edge of innovation. That's happening at the lower levels, and we're stealing from them. There is nobody in the modern era of football who has been more willing to adapt and change. Like somebody, somebody who's been around as long as Andy Reid, who has been coaching through multiple decades and is willing to evolve his offense, who is willing to steal bits and pieces from other places and is still producing high-level results. I think that is is probably the truest testament to his greatness as a coach. I, I, well say, said. I want to say one thing before we change topics here with, with Mahomes. I don't know. We talked about this in the last episode. I don't know if I'm ready to even engage in the, in the Brady discussions. Like he's six Super Bowl rings behind. Yeah. But what a Super Bowl win would do for Mahomes is first things first, it will dispel any, any sort of concerns that were had before the season about what this new chapter in his career was going to look like without Tyreek Hill, without having the best weapons around him. It would say, okay, well, we know this much. He doesn't need to have the best tight end and the best receiver in football to go and win a title. What it also does is it puts him light years beyond any other quarterback in his class. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, any of these guys, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, he is going to be light years beyond where they're at to the point where we don't even have to have those conversations for a long time until somebody else racks up a couple Super Bowl wins. Insurance, I like it. They're both already number one in my book. I had a feeling they were pretty high on your list, <laughs> Kayla. I like the idea that she's like written in a notebook and it's just Chiefs with like a heart that she's drawn <laughs> the arrow through. <laughs> Carving guys, it into a tree. Sometimes <laughs> I think you guys think I'm like a 12 year old girl. <laughs> no. No. Look, I've carved my name into a tree. I like. I just like the idea when people talk about. Uh, <laughs> you have. Uh, we used I to don't do think that. I've ever done that. We used to do it in Colorado as kids. Uh, <laughs> so there's. I I would venture a guess that there are like ten trees with my name carved in them. Actually, my wife and I carved our name in a tree when That's she went cute. to our, she went to our family's time the first time, and I went out there the last time I went out there. The tree had died, so I cut it down and I took the log home and I brought it home to her. I was like a real lumberjack. I fucking took the tree down. I'm like, this is my tree now, even though it was like in a protected national forest. So I don't know if that's a crime, but it doesn't matter. The tree was dead and it, it was mine now. Johnny Appleseed would be <laughs> rolling in his grave. Listening to that. I haven't heard the name Johnny Appleseed in a minute. Yeah, that's like elementary school. Nobody's mentioned him <laughs> since. As a deep pull. <laughs> Cody, the romantic back to football. Andy Reid essentially said McCole Hardman won't be available for the Super Bowl. How will that impact the game? And what will he be remembered as in KC? As we know, he's a free agent after this season, after being with the team for four years. Well, you know, from a game perspective, the, the good news is for the Chiefs is obviously it impacts them. He's good in the red zone. He's a good threat. Uh, you could see how that, you know, they, they gave him one end around and you're like, oh, yeah, that's how that play's supposed to work. It hadn't worked as well lately. And then I watched McCole run and I'm like, yeah. It does work better with McColl, but they've learned to play without him. So to me, that's like good news. I know you never want to play with a guy without injury, but they've been playing without McColl for, for half the season this year. So they've got a pretty good idea of their identity. 
and they had utilized Jarek McKinnon in the red zone a lot since he was gone. Jody Fortson was back in this previous game. Another option in the red zone. They struggled getting some points in this last game, but I think a lot of that is just about the fact that those Cincinnati games are kind of knockout, you know, knockout, dragout fights, and, and they tend to be that way with them versus they need McColl. So I, I don't think they're as versatile. But some of the, the other concern now is, okay, McColl's out. Haven't had him half the season. It's like, okay, so you're going to get Juju Smith-Schuster back or, or Tony? or Because those guys also didn't practice on Thursday. Can, can I get those players? Because that's more the concern now. Because McColl, to me, I, I kept waiting for him to come back because I thought he changed their offense a little bit. I'm okay with it. I, I've come used to seeing the way they play without him. Cody, you know this better than anybody. How often would Andy Reid offer up information like he did on Thursday, basically saying McColl's not playing in the Super Bowl, which is over a week away? Almost never. So Almost he's never. not playing. Yeah. Which which tells you two things. He's not playing, but also I don't think there's a ton of reason at this point to be super concerned about the health of anybody else. The fact that he offered that up for McColl tells you that his situation is just a little bit different than maybe the other guys are. If it comes to McColl, how are we going to remember his time? I think for a lot of people, you're going to look at it as a disappointing four years simply because of all the other receivers that the Chiefs could have drafted, whether that was Metcalf, Metcalf, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, right? The list goes on and on. And I, and I get it, but I do think not looking at who the Chiefs passed on to take him. He was a nice player. He, he, his rookie year was really impressive. He did exactly what you needed to do. Helped you go to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl. He just never developed into a true number one or number two guy. But that doesn't mean that he didn't have a role. That doesn't mean that he was a complete bust or that he wasn't useful to this team. We have lofty expectations for receivers in this offense. Let's circle back and have a conversation about Sky next year or two years from now because we're going to start ramping up expectations for him pretty soon as well. The rookie's year is sort of the grace period. So... I think we have lofty expectations for receivers in this offense. He wasn't the guy that you thought he was getting, but he served a, I would, I believe to be a valuable role for this offense in four years. And that's, I think that's how I view it. I mean, it's definitely a disappointment. It's just not a bust. If that makes sense. Like calling him a bust is really unfair. I mean, he's been on three Super Bowl rosters, right? I mean, it's not like he was holding the team back. They just had to have that guy this year. This is the first year he's been injured too. So he's been his previous three years being healthy and available for this team while they're having other injuries on other parts of the team. We're like Sammy Watkins might not be able to play. And, you know, Tyreek missed quarters here. There. He played most of the games, but like he might miss a little bit of time and all those things, right? I mean, I think that when you when you look at the course of his career, he was fine. He's a fine NFL player. Uh, you know, there's nothing you're not going to be blown away by. No one's going to be like thrilled with the signing if they go get him. And yeah, if you start comparing him side by side by every wide receiver that you, you could have taken, you're going to be depressed. It's not, it's not going to feel good, but it's also just part of where he is. You know, he was, he's like twice the receiver sky Moore was his rookie year. Like he was a big part of that super bowl. He was the biggest big play guy on the entire team. He averaged like 18 yards a catch. He helped them win a super bowl. Like I'm not, I don't know. I think I'm going to like sky Moore's hard. Cause he just had that punt return. So he might've helped them win a super bowl. But it's like not in the regular season, not in the same way, right? They didn't count on the entire time. It's just one of those, like, it, it's frustrating that he never, like, rose to the top of it. But I still think that, you know, like, I wouldn't be surprised if McCole Hardman ended up in a different offense and ended up an 800-yard receiver. He was always stuck behind, like, 
four dudes here. And he's got skill. He's got speed. Um, the problem is, is that, you know, he's got some limitations and the chiefs eventually found the perfect window to use him, And they, they got the most out of him. It sucks. He doesn't get to play. So we fully think he's done in Kansas city yeah. after this season. Well, you got to think like <sighs> probably it's a very, very, very weak wide receiver class in free agency. Last year's was really bad, but this year's is too. Like McColl, if McColl is healthy, he is probably like the fourth or fifth most attractive option. At his that point. might be underselling him, yeah. And Juju's number one. It's like, seriously, it's it's like Juju, Jacoby Meyer, Alan Lazard, McColl, DJ Shark. Like, these are the, those are the best receivers that are going to be on the open market. And while you may not want this, to see the Chiefs give him $10 million a year, I bet you there's a oh team that will. There's always a team. that is. Those are, those are the words to live by in the NFL. Like, oh, nobody will pay him that much. There's always one team. There is always one team desperate enough to say, you know what, let's take a shot on this guy. I just don't think it'll be the Chiefs. Like, D.J. Shark had 1,000 yards once, but it was like four years ago. It's like, he might be the second-best receiver available, Nick. So, yeah. I mean, I mean if Someone's going to pay McColl. I don't think anyone's going to give him multiple years, though. I think teams are careful of that, Nick, right now because of uh, how many wide receivers you can draft. Okay, but okay, but if you're the Chiefs, not just not just Brett Veach, but we know Andy Reid has to, you know, he and Brett Veach are going to get together and make these decisions together. Do you think Andy Reid's looking at McCole Hardman and saying, yeah, we need him for next year? No. Look at the season they just had with him only playing half the games. Look at the game they just had beating the Bengals with three receivers on the roster. Marcus Kemp was out there catching passes in the fourth quarter. If anything, I think Andy Reid's going to say, we can win with anybody and we can find another guy to come in and fill the role that McColl leaves behind. If we're going to spend $10 million, let's find a guy who fits our system perfectly or let's just go draft one and we'll spend $10 million on something else. I know I was smiling through that whole thing. I'm sad about all this, but the thought of Cody cutting down a tree and then Nick saying that Johnny Appleseed is rolling over in his grave <laughs> is giving me a giggle fit. I was wondering why you were laughing during Cody's initial answer because there was like nothing funny happening. I was like, why is Kayla? Cody's here? just talking. Yeah. I, I really. Hilarious. I don't even know why Johnny Apps would be mad at me for my act of love, Nick. I was a romantic. I cut down a tree and then I painted it to look nice and sealed it. <laughs> it's a lot of trouble. You cut down a tree, dude. All he did was walk across <laughs> Apple. He planted trees. Planting trees. You're just yeah. chopping them down for love. <laughs> it was dead. The tree was dying. It wasn't going to make it. Well, nurse Look it back it. to life then. What a living Colorado. <laughs> it turned into the rest of the tree, by the way, was firewood. I chopped oh, it you burned it. You burned it. You couldn't even <laughs> use it to like build a hut or. No, no, just turned into I... firewood. Kept me warm for the night. Okay. We'll put that conversation <laughs> to bed. Kind of like the tree. Okay, right. guys. All right, <laughs> How big does strength of schedule play in your decision of who wins this game? When you look at the schedule, you realize how few tough QBs the Eagles have actually faced. And for the record, Eagles had 31st compared to the Chiefs who had 16th. I think it does matter. It's hard because then it makes it harder to predict the game. Because if you just take the Eagles at their word, they're 14 and three. They're a top five scoring offense. They're a top 10 scoring defense. Then you have to assume, right, that, okay, they're a juggernaut. They are, uh, they're better than the Chiefs in every conceivable way. Not really that, except for quarterback and some other things. And, you know, you're going to have to really do that. But they're, they're not a, they're not a Minnesota Vikings level fake. 
The best quarterback, I went through their entire schedule, every single game, the best quarterback they played this entire season, including the playoffs, Trevor Lawrence. The toughest guy they played. What the hell are we doing here? Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> that's the best quarterback you played all year? Yeah. I think that your, pro- your defense is probably inflated a little bit. Not crazy. They're obviously, the pass rush, I think, is very real. I think that that part of it is unmistakable. But for as much love as like their secondary gets as being like an unstoppable force, I'm like, who the hell were you having to guard? You didn't have to play anyone at quarterback. I think for a for a team that was in a tough division, I don't know. The rest of it doesn't scare me that much. Okay, let me ask you guys this before I answer the question. How much when you are looking at your, the Chiefs from week to week and trying to predict how they're going to fare against a given opponent, how much does that team's defense factor into how well you think the Chiefs' offense is going to play? They have to be elite to make me think they're going to slow them down a little bit. And even like, in that case, this year, they burned them. The, I mean, the best defenses that the Chiefs played this year. Yeah, 49ers have dropped 40 49ers, on them. Denver. 49ers, Denver twice, uh, Buffalo. Nobody slowed them down. No. Nobody slowed this offense down. And so at some point, you just say, okay, there's only so much a good defense can do, right? Great offense be- beats great defense every single time. You can play great defense, doesn't mean you're going to stop the other team from scoring. You play great offense, you're probably scoring, right? How often have we said, oh, man, this team's moving the ball, picking up first downs. They just can't get the ball. Yeah. So it just doesn't happen very often. So I, I believe the, the Eagles, I've seen enough of the Eagles to know what they do well. They're not the Chiefs in terms of doing it year in, year out. But I saw them all season long. I just think these are two really, really, really good offenses. The only difference to me when trying to figure out who's going to do well is I know one of these quarterbacks is the best passer of the football in the NFL. There's nobody better. There's nobody better than Patrick Mahomes at using his arm to make plays. Jalen Hurts has been a great quarterback, MVP candidate, but a lot of his threat is due to his legs. And he can validate himself by having a really strong game. And then, you know, if he, if Jalen Hurts has a great game and the Eagles win the Super Bowl, we'll all sit there and go, all right, well, you know what? He's the real deal. He's legit. He just won the Super Bowl. There's no questions about Jalen Hurts. But until he does that, I think there's part of me that's kind of saying, I need to see it. I need to see you do it in the biggest game because... What has been sort of the knock against quarterbacks that play like Jalen is running can be a part of what you do, but it can't be the biggest part of what you do. You have to be able to do all the other stuff at quarterback, and then running can be a part of that. And he's done really well throwing the ball this year, but it's not the main thing he does. His, his biggest threat to an opposing defense is what he can do with his legs. Let's see you do it in the biggest game when the pressure is on and the lights are the brightest because that's still to me the biggest reason why I I have a little bit of a pause before I say yeah that Eagles offense is going to bring it the thing the thing to forget about the defense there too Nick is you know like your 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 offense has really helped when your defense plays at the level the Eagles have played this year and if they can't get off the field because Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback not Trevor Lawrence not Kirk Cousins whatever right if it's Patrick Mahomes going down the field, keeping you off the field, does that same we're going to run style work, Nick? We're going to wear you down. You're going to be tired playing us. I'm like, okay, but can you hold on to the ball long enough? Because the, the Chiefs might keep it longer. It is hard to imagine that these things are tough. And I, I don't think they've played. They played each other once last year. These teams are a little different, obviously. There's oh, no Tyree I mean, Kill. I mean, yeah, way different. Eagles have added. 
Eagles have had a ton of talent, so I'm not going to try to go back in that game. But the Eagles were a really good defense last year. Not as good as they are this year, but they were a good defense last year. And they destroyed them. I mean, so I, I don't know if that's just – that's skewing me here a little bit, but I'm sure that it's playing some factor in my, my brain space a little bit. Well, guys, speaking of pressure, is Orlando Brown going to have to have his Chris Jones game? By the way, the Eagles have four players with 11-plus sacks this season. I think the answer, so like the way you say Chris Jones game is like, we just saw it, right? It was, it's great. <laughs> it was, uh, I saw it on Sunday. It was his game. Chris Jones was the single most important player in that football game. He dominated from start to front. And the answer is yes. I know we just spent part of this time saying, okay, I don't know what the Eagles defense is. But Nick, I mean, even if, even if there's someone out there doubting, there's one thing that they are. That's a sack team. They're very good at getting sacks. They get a lot of sacks. They consistently do it. They're number one in the NFL, and they got four guys with 11 or more sacks. So, yeah, honestly, they need Orlando Brown Jr., the second most out of any other player on their team this week or next week. They need Patrick Mahomes first because, you know, he plays quarterback, and then they need Orlando Brown to be the second most important player. I think he's got to have his defining game, the way we waited for it forever with Chris Jones. Give me your moment. You've been in Kansas City for multiple years. They brought you here to shore up their offensive line so they could win a Super Bowl. We've seen you get beat. We've seen you be great. Be great. Be great this time against the number one sack team. I feel like it's the right time to call for him to have his best game as a chief. So are you saying that he needs to have his Chris Jones game to ensure a Chiefs win? Or he has to have his Chris Jones game to ensure that like the Chiefs are going to give him a long-term extension? Both. I think so. Well, like the way the the for one the extension absolutely. I think he's got to prove that he's worth the kind of money that they're saying. And in the, this postseason, he's had a really good start, right? I think he's he's played well this postseason. But to me, like Chris yeah. Jones minted the check the second he played that way, right? Well, I think I think he need. I think that, that you're right about the first part. I think he absolutely has to do it if the Chiefs are gonna win the game. No, if the Chiefs are gonna oh, get yeah. long-term extension, I don't think he needs to be dominant for the Chiefs to win. I think if he is dominant, like, go ahead and chalk it up. Like, the Chiefs are winning this game. But, like, Mahomes is so damn good to the point where, look at what he overcame last week. He overcame an ankle injury yeah. and all of his receivers going down. I think, he could un I think he could overcome Orlando Brown Jr. just being okay. Right? You just can't afford for him to be a liability. That's where I'm at with him. He doesn't need to be great, but he can't be terrible. If he gets beat like a drum all day that's when it becomes difficult for the Chiefs to win. Because you look at what the Eagles do, it's not just that they were the number one sack unit in the NFL. Like Hassan Reddick, who's, you know, a top five defensive player in football this year. Yeah. What's he do? He's a speed rusher. Josh Sweat. These aren't the, these aren't the big Miles Garrett, J.J. Watt type pass rushers. They are speed rushers, and those are the types of guys that give Orlando Brown Jr. fits because that's what he is. He's a mauler. He is a road grader. He's not somebody who has the best footwork. He's not super quick on the edges. So this is a big test for him. I think the, the moment is huge for him because if he does play well and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, then all of a sudden it does make it a little bit more digestible to give him a massive contract extension. But you just can't afford those guys to kill him all day because if that's what's happening then it's tough to imagine the Chiefs picking up a lot of first downs and going down scoring points and end up winning the game. We're going to move on. But before we do, Nick, I can't help but notice the bird on your hat. 
And I just have to ask the question, what is it with Chiefs players going and supporting KU basketball when there is a another pretty good wow. basketball program uh, like two hours to their east? I'm over Proximity. it. Cody, do you mind? Proximity. Cody, do you mind if I take this one? Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> can take a, just take a quick, uh, take a type five here. I got to. The, Chief, yeah, the sure. Chiefs are in Missouri. I'm going to go find the photo of that, that tree I cut down yeah, to send to you too I, before I the end of the chat. podcast. I got to chat with Kayla here real quick. You know, it's about 30 minutes away. Cody's right. Proximity is a big, is a big factor, but think about what Travis Kelsey is. Think about, you know, close your eyes and imagine what Ka- Travis Kelsey embodies, right? He is greatness. He is a legend. He is a winner. He's a champion. None of those adjectives describe the Missouri basketball program. Rude. Rude. (laughs) Where he was at on Tuesday night, you look up in the rafters, you see Final Four banners. You see National Championship banners. All (laughs) Americans. You know who's patrolling the sidelines at Allen Fieldhouse? A Hall of Famer. Bill Self. Travis Kelsey's a future Hall of Famer as well. You go over to the Booth Family Hall of Fame, you know what you see? Championship trophies. Legends who have walked the halls of that hallowed arena. Travis Kelsey is at home when he visits Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas. So that is why he chooses Kansas over Kansas State and Missouri. And I hope I answered your question adequately. By the way, this is the 1912 Jayhawk, the OG. This was the, this was the logo when James Naismith, you may have heard of him, he invented the sport. This was KU's <laughs> logo back when he was coaching. Have you heard of homecoming? Only... Mizzou invented that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Naismith has the only losing record in Kansas basketball history. Well, you so know what? He invented the sport, so why don't you say we give him a hall pass on that one, Cody? We'll let that one slide? Yeah. Come on. Okay. All right. Well, I walked right into that one, I'm aware. But, um, yeah, I'm just, I would just like you know the Chiefs players to know that there's actually another school in Missouri where their team plays. So But it's not an important It wouldn't hurt them one. to shout them out once in a while. Is all I'm saying. I don't know. I think it would. You don't. You know, great greatness doesn't. Great players, great great athletes. They don't want to align themselves with second-rate programs, for lack of a better term. And I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean that as a person. Mizzou basketball is fully back, by the way. I don't know if you're aware. Wow, fully <laughs> back. You know what? I don't know if they're one f- win against LSU. They're back. <laughs> they're on their way. We be Iowa way. State. I like, I like Dennis Gates, so uh, they're on the Oh, way. thank you. That's nice. Got it. Okay, we can agree over that. Okay, guys. Back to the Chiefs. Do we have to stop talking about the rookies, like rookie, rookies now that they are this far into the season? I think so. So I was trying to decide because, like, you know, you always kind of worry about the notion of, like, oh, they're going to make a rookie mistake because, well, they're rookies, especially in a Super Bowl where you're like, oh, God, please don't. Oh, man, they just played maybe the toughest game of the entire season in an important AFC title game where we know for a fact Patrick Mahomes was pissed and wanted him to win. And we had two rookie interceptions. Jalen Watson had an interception in the the last game. Brian Cook was a part of one of the other interceptions, right? He helped tip it. Karloftis had a sack. Trent McDuffie was great. And most of these guys, I know McDuffie was hurt for part of it, at this point have 19 games under their belt. Like, it seems long past the rookie part. And I think some of the reason that this doesn't exist is the team they're on. The team you're on doesn't allow you to be a rookie. This is a team that goes to the Super Bowl every year. We don't have time to wait around holding your hand, okay? You have to just walk in and here and you have to play like everyone else. I'm sorry. I'm sure with other teams, you get to, like, slowly learn. Nope. We're the Chiefs. You have to play for us right now. I felt like the Patriots were really good about that. And other teams, too, where 
Like when you go back and look at those really good teams, Nick, and, and take the Patriots out of it, even if it's like Baltimore, really good franchises just take, you know, some of their rookies and they're like, you have to play now and you have to play like everyone else. And there's no like learning the system or like you're a part of this team now. But this deep in the season, I definitely feel like we can talk about that way. I'm not going to exit this game being like, if only these guys were a little bit older. They had plenty of time to figure this stuff out. They don't get to play like rookies in this game or get that excuse, I guess. Does that apply to all of the rookies? Right? Like, I don't, I don't view them. I know we lump them all into the same class, but I don't really view them all exactly the same. First, first like with George Karloftis, right? I don't know if there's been one time this season where we've said, oh gosh, he's just a liability out there. He's terrible. He's getting no pressure. So I don't know if I really have a ton of expectations for him because he's been so steady all season long. Same thing with Trent McDuffie. Same thing with, I almost want to throw Jalen Watson in there, but like Isaiah Pacheco. For sure, Pacheco. But running backs also, running backs defy this rule anyway. We don't even have to include them. Every rookie running back is essentially a 10-year veteran in the NFL. They're actually better at that age. You'd rather have that guy than a guy who's 30. But, like, I still view Sky Moore as a rookie. Like, I don't know what to expect from Sky Moore, especially with the injuries. Like, I even if he has to play a ton of snaps in the Super Bowl, I'm going to be a little weary about that. Brian Cook is still a rookie in my mind. Um, He got beat in that game. AFC, he got beat deep. So I kind of view these guys in different classes, but the the first crop of dudes, Karloftis, McDuffie, Pacheco, Jalen Watson, cornerbacks fickle, man. You could be playing great and then get yeah. torn a couple times in one game, but that doesn't mean you're a rookie. It just means you got beat. Right. But with Karloftis and Pacheco for sure, I don't view them as rookies anymore. I view them as just steady contributors to this team. I think it was probably, I'm curious if now you guys are with me. I think it was probably like week eight or nine. A couple of games after McDuffie came back, I said, by the end of the year, you're going to tell me he's their best corner. And I, I feel that way. He is there. Now, look, if you said all around and I'm including the blitzing, I got to give it to Sneed. But I'm pretty sure that Trent McDuffie, I'm not pretty sure. Trent McDuffie is their best corner. He's their best cover corner. If Jamar Chase is lined up on the other side, or if this game, A.J. Brown's lined up on the other side, and you're like, hey, you're obligated by rule. One-on-one, got to be one guy. I'll throw McDuffie on him. I'll take my chances there. He, to me, has already stood out as their best cover corner. I guess I thought that was going to happen early, and I feel like that's come true. Do you guys actually think that's the case? I I don't know, man. I think you could make a case that Jalen Watson was more of a ball hawk. Look at that. Yeah. You think you can, and I remember I joked with you at the beginning of the year, Cody. I said, What are the chances Jalen Watson has a better season than Trent McDuffie? One guy was drafted in the first, one guy was in the seventh. And you're like, 2%. Come on. I look at the final numbers and I would say, Well, Jalen Watson had a more productive season, especially with what he's done in the playoffs. But because he didn't miss any time, too. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, that's not really a knock against McDuffie. It's more of a testament to how good he's been in the seventh round. So. What has been, I think, the hallmark of the Chiefs' cornerbacks is they have just been steady. No one, to me, has really stood out above the rest. I think of Legereus Sneed as more of a Swiss Army knife than I do a, a shutdown corner. I just think it's been a really solid bunch this year that we haven't had to talk about much, which is great because we talked about it all offseason, and it's been the position group that I think has been much maligned for the better part of the last five years in Kansas City. We spent a lot of this season... Kayla, you brought him on last time. We spent a lot of the season talking about they're going to let Tyreek Hill go and how are they going to do? They let go of San Francisco's number one defense, number one corner. 
in Charverius Ward, and it didn't matter. Like that's that Charverius Ward was the San Francisco 49ers number one corner. They were the top defense in the NFL this year. And we're like, eh, it seems fine. Jalen Watts is pretty good. So guess we'll just move on about our day. That's that's another Spags thing. I don't know how we got all these rookie corners to play this well, but kudos. Um, not to get too far off track, we'll come back to this. But uh, since you brought it up, Cody, I found the clip from one of our first episodes recently okay. where I said the Chiefs are better without Tyree Kill. Where do we stand on that now? Um, you know what? I think I agree. Um, they are more balanced. They are forced to not go to feel. I don't know. Like maybe Mahomes would have figured out the trick anyway, and they'd be better with Tyreek Hill. But whether he learned it from that or not, he is a more patient, more willing to take the check down passer. But Tyreek Hill left and he's got, he's, he went for more passing yards, more yards per target, uh, more touchdowns. It, you know, so it's kind of hard to argue that they're not better. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like you took off the training aid, you took off the training wheels, you took off whatever, right? You, you, you raised the goal from eight feet to 10 feet. It's not necessarily easier, but it forces you to get better. Removal of Tyreek Hill forced Patrick Mahomes to evolve as and grow as a quarterback. So you may not have the same explosion. You don't have the reliability of that one guy. You don't have the stability that Tyreek Hill brought, but it did force Patrick Mahomes to grow as a quarterback. And I think that whether it happens naturally or it happens as a byproduct of something like that, losing such an elite wide receiver, at the end of the day, it is a net plus for him, for this offense, and for this organization. So in the short term, I don't know if this offense is better than they were with Tyree Kill, but I know that Patrick Mahomes has taken a step as a quarterback, which is the best thing that could possibly happen. Okay. Just had a check. Uh, before we leave... You know, but, but, but you know, you've been good with your predictions this year, Kayla. You have. Thank you. Before we leave, by the I way, should I should bet. I have sent you both a photo of the tree I killed. So I think it's okay. important that we address that before we get off the show. Now, Cody. Look, you look at that and you tell me that Johnny Appleseed would still be disappointed in me. This is impressive. Okay, I'm impressed. That is with like a huge chunk of tree there. Right. And it was a much bigger tree that I had to cut down. It took. It took several hours. <laughs> and well, I mean, like it was kind of like down in the woods a little bit, I guess. And then I had to like kind of send a hill and then we had to get it down. And then we took the whole tree back because I didn't want to waste it. And cool then I just Clark cut out Griswold. Then I just cut out that section to bring home. And then I got it home and I sealed it with a bunch of teak oil. And then I painted it. Nick, you've never you've never expressed your love in that way. Not once. Not once have you got through that much. So did you present this as a gift to your wife? I just. <laughs> Until you put it on a tree, it means nothing. And she, <laughs> and how did she receive it? I think she really enjoyed it. I, I, I'd have to ask her now. At the time, I believe she was she enjoyed it. Yes, she was blown away by it. I believe so. I don't remember now. It's been so long. It's probably Cody, been like five years. You're gonna have to tweet this out when this episode comes out for all of our listeners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, please. To also go. enjoy. I'm impressed. I'll say it. Nick, Nick's I'm, on the you fence. You can also say it. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well that wraps up another episode of kansas city <laughs> mm, so you're not gonna say it it's mm. a beautiful piece of fine craftsmanship cody it was a, you know the impressive part was doing all the work although a little disappointed when i went back and i was like damn it why did i choose this tree to carve into in the beginning clearly <laughs> this tree is dead was it dead when i carved into it 
Did I kill it when I carved into it? Or did it just have bad luck in the woods? I'm going to start calling you Lumberjack now. There you go. <laughs> All bunion. <laughs> Very appropriate. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for us on this episode of It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. That is Cody Tap. He is Nick Schwartz. I am Kayla Canaram. Shout out Johnny Appleseed. And we will be back with you all next week. The guys are going to be in Arizona. We'll have our regular schedule of podcasts coming your way as we get ready for Super Bowl 57. Have a good one.